0: Welcome back to Decision-Making in Public Service. Um, The lecture today is one that I have wrestled with a little bit. Um, It's a lecture that if given to me in this format three years ago, I may not have been able to digest or wrestle with um, and so there's a lot here that as it's delivered to you will be in some ways unbelievable. It will be contrary to your intuitions um, and it, it will also be um, challenging to digest just from reading and from my voice. And uh, so I, I encourage you as I lay out kind of part one of Metzinger's The Ego Tunnel to spend some time reflecting on your own experience and trying to take some time to do some of the thought experiments that Metzinger suggests and see if the models begin to make more sense over time. In the meantime, I'm going to just jump right in with what I believe are, what I believe is the best consensus of neuroscience data up till very recently, and um, what philosophy has to say about these things. And the reason that we use uh, Professor Metzinger's book is because I think it synthesizes these things as well as anyone has. Um, but it is it is a lot, and for those of you in my class, very few of you, I think, will have a hard science background. Most of you have a social science background. So some of these concepts <clears throat> may be new to you. Um, and to the general listeners, um, I encourage you to purchase this book. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to... Check out the claims. I encourage you to find the journal articles on Google Scholar. I encourage you to to check the evidence yourself. Um, This is Thomas Metzinger's summary of the best empirical neuroscience and best arguments in philosophy and me relaying them to you and providing some of my own thoughts on them and ways of helping tell his story. Okay, I think that's enough of prelude, that is. Bear with me, Um, and even if certain things you want to reject outright from the beginning, you don't have to endorse them fully, just abstract with me and hypothesize with me, and treat the assumptions as if they were true, and let's see where they take us, and then you can reflect on your own experience to see how well these models fit with your own observations of yourself, okay? I think this is really important, again, to to be able to understand decision-making at its most basic level. We really need to understand what's going on with the mind and what's going on with this self that makes decisions. All right, now, with all of that out there, I'm going to start with reading the very, very first few sentences from Thomas Metzinger's book in the introduction. He says, In this book, I will try to convince you that there is no such thing as a self. Contrary to what most people believe, nobody has ever been or had a self. But it is not just that the modern philosophy of mind and cognitive neuroscience together are about to shatter the myth of the self. It has now become clear that we will never solve the philosophical puzzle of consciousness, that is, how it can arise in the brain, which is a purely physical object, if we don't come to terms with this simple proposition that, to the best of our current knowledge, there is no thing, no indivisible entity that is us, that is you. Neither in the brain, nor in some metaphysical realm beyond this world. So, when we speak of conscious experience as a subjective phenomenon, what is the entity having these experiences? Which is what, ending the quote there, we're going to be looking at. Messinger makes the claim that there is no self, there is no something you separate from your brain. And there's a lot of evidence that he goes through to illustrate this, some of which we're gonna highlight. But in the following paragraph, he poses this question. There's one central question we have to confront head on. Why is there always someone having the experience? Who is the feeler of your feelings and dreamer of your dreams? Who is the agent doing the doing and what is the entity thinking your thoughts? Why is your conscious reality your conscious reality? Messinger's answer to this question is his ego tunnel and the phenomenal self-model. I'm going to struggle with that word throughout, but is phenomenal. Phenomenal, there we go, I'll get it. Phenomenal self-model. And he's gonna hold this model up to a pretty stringent test, I think, across some important questions that you'll care about as we get there. Um, But let me tell you a little bit about this this model. And it's really steeped in trying to figure out what consciousness is. If there is no self independent of your brain, then what is consciousness? And who is the person, what is the thing, directing the decision-making in your mind? All right. So, Messinger highlights that the study of phenomenology Uh, The the study, which is the study of kind of first-person experiences, has been neglected and not treated seriously throughout science. There are some attempts in the literature more recently to do this, and this is where some of these findings are coming from. Okay, so he lays out the phenomenal self-model and defines it as the conscious model of the organism as a whole that is activated by the brain. And he says, Phenomenal here is used here and throughout in the philosophical sense as pertaining to what is known purely experientially through the first person, through the way in which things subjectively appear to you. So we have a Phenomenal self-model, which is our conscious awareness of being a whole, of being a person, of having an, of a singular identity. And the content of your, what the term that Messinger uses, PSM, phenomenal self-model, is the ego. The ego is the, um, what you perceive to be the thinker of your thoughts, the the entity directing the decision-making. When you have a phenomenal self-model, a conscious awareness of yourself as a whole, the content of that, what that can give rise to, is the ego. And the ego is usually... Synonymous with the idea of the self or I, the person, the thing, experiencing phenomenologically a first-hand subjective experience. And the reason we can do this is because we have abstract representational systems, all right, and we can view ourselves as a representation of ourselves in what Messinger calls phenomenological real time, experiencing your s- self as a self. And this has been one of the kind of great advances of Homo sapiens uh, in their brains. Um, that has allowed them to have a conscious model of themselves and direct their decision making. In some ways, and Messinger also highlights that we we can also have altered states of phenomena. Phenom, <laughs> this is going to be some long lectures of phenomenal states that are outer body experiences. These have been studied now. Maybe it sounds like a little fringe, but it's not. This happens to a reasonable amount of people. And there are ways in which you can train yourself to experience it. Um, And uh, these outer body experiences have the characteristics of the idea that your whole self, you, the ego, is floating out above your body and observing yourself. So there can be varied states of experiencing a self and an ego. So, Messinger says, the internal image of the person as a whole is the phenomenal ego, as I've said. The I, or self, as it appears in conscious experience. Therefore, throughout, he's using the term phenomenal ego and phenomenal self um, to, to represent this idea of this ego or this I that occurs in consciousness within the ego tunnel. Alright? And Bessinger also gives a nice explanation of conscious experience. He says conscious experience is like a tunnel, hence the metaphor for of ego tunnel. He goes on to say modern neuroscience has demonstrated that the content of our conscious experience is not only an internal construct but also an extremely selective way of representing information, okay? And this means that we, we don't directly access reality. We only access it through our sensory inputs, um, which our mind interprets and gives rise to our uh, consciousness, our conscious experience, and, our, and, our, and the things that we consciously see and hear. And in that way, we, don't, we can't really access reality. We are in a tunnel that contains all of our conscious experience. And we perceive that within that tunnel, there is a phenomenal self, an ego, an I, experiencing conscious consciousness as sort of an observer. But it turns out, again, we're not in direct contact with reality. We're only in contact with the sensory inputs we get from our brain. And it's only a limited representation of what's going on in the actual world. And so our brains and our minds are limited in that way. Why is it, then, that it always feels like there's someone having the experience? First, again, as Metzinger says... We possess an integrated inner image of ourselves that is firmly anchored in our feelings and bodily sensations. The world simulation created by our brains includes the experience of a point of view, a first-person point of view, if you will. Second, we are unable to experience introspectively, recognize our self-models as models, and in this way the models are transparent. Our brain did such a good job of constructing an ego tunnel, a consciousness that we uh, we see right through the model and observe it as if it was direct reality, which again we know is not. It is not, but it encompasses all that we can experience from the first person point of view as a subjective. Experiencer, as, a, as someone who can experience red and experience love and experience all kinds of things. Mazinger goes on to say that the ego and the tunnel are evolved representational phenomenon, phenomena, a result of dynamic self-organization on many levels. I don't want to go too much into this. There's a bunch of stuff in neuroscience about why the brain is able and the structure in which it dynamically self-organizes and how that might give rise to uh, something we're going to talk about a little later. Um, But these dynamic self-models are ways in which your brain can organize and access information um, and memories and direct attention And there's something about that that is part of what constitutes consciousness that we're going to examine in this book. And uh, Metzinger goes on again to say that this idea of an ego tunnel is uh, based on an older notion that has been around for quite some time. Um, And in other works, it's been considered the reality tunnel. Um, And there's been some earlier work that was done on this by non-academic philosophers such as Robert Anton Wilson, and Timothy Leary. So that's the basic layout of the introduction, is the idea that what we really, when it comes down to, need to understand, to understand how the mind uh, works from a first-person standpoint, is to understand consciousness. Consciousness is... The substance of what we experience as first-person point-of-view subjective experiences. Metzinger's thought here is that uh, as an experiencer you have a phenomenal self-model that gives you a sense of being a complete whole of being a singular person thing And um, that that phenomenal self-model contains an ego tunnel, which is what the ego, the self, the phenomenal self, can observe and experience as conscious experience. And he's going to go into some detail moving forward about, okay, that's the basic premise. How do we further define consciousness, and how do we think about what types of questions an adequate theory about consciousness has to address, and then we'll address those. And Metzinger addresses those in Chapter 2. So this is the just basic overview of the Phenomenal Self Model, the Ego Tunnel, the Self, And thinking about how these are advanced representational systems that have been advantageous to the brain uh, for reasons that we'll discuss, um, but mostly for survival. And then we'll talk about how consciousness is uh, a pretty varied phenomenon uh, that can contain lots of elements, but has some defining characteristics that we can talk about. And then again, we will talk about what types of questions need to be responded to for the, the definition of consciousness and this model to be believable. That's all for the introduction now. I'm going to keep these at around 20 minutes. Um, and I'll move on to chapter 1 and 2 and wrap up part 1 uh, in the next lecture. Thanks for following along.